All right, brother. Love, love, love from above. Don't let me judge, but love. Be kind, be kind. Every time. Don't let me judge, but be kind. Thank you, Father Yahweh. Forgive, forgive. Don't let me forgive. Don't let me judge, but forgive. Amen. Forgive, be kind. Every time, don't let me judge, but love, but love, but love. Just like Brother John. Thank you, brother. You know, he's love, you know. Luke chapter 6, I will read verses 37 to 38. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 37. Through verse 38. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, out of the word of our Master. He says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. When I was about 15 years old, I worked in a Christian bookstore called The Cross and the Crown. I remember one day that there were three of us behind the counter and work was slow that day. And so we got into a Bible conversation. I was very zealous when I was a teenager. I still am zealous now. I just think I'm... Zealous with a lot more knowledge now than I had then. But a biblical conversation came up, and just so happened that day it was about the subject of modesty. And I've learned now to say things in a way that is more understanding and more loving and um, uh, more of a desire to uh, cause the other person to grow and to understand rather than, hey, look at me, I'm right. And you're wrong. And I'm still learning that, but I've, I've learned, I, I feel like, over the last 20 plus years, um, how to do that better. I still answer, if somebody asks me a question, I still answer them with what I believe the Bible teaches. So, I don't exactly remember how the conversation went that day, but I remember I was asked a question and I gave an answer from the Bible. More than likely, it was probably from First Timothy. That's usually my go-to on that subject. But when I gave an answer from the Bible, the response that I got from this particular person that was a Christian that I worked with there at the bookstore, the response that I got was, well, the Bible also says, judge not lest you be judged. And they say that John 3.16 used to be the most famous passage in the Bible until Matthew 7 and 1 came along, judge not lest you be judged. Now that's the most famous passage in the Bible that everybody loves to quote. And it's not just Christians that know that passage. It is everybody. 
whether they're religious or not religious. One time we played a August Rain show up in Washington State, and um, we took some time that afternoon to see the sights in Seattle, go up in the big Space Needle and come back down. So I can say I did that, Brother Ron. See the sights in Seattle, and I was walking and seeing the sights, and before I realized it, generally before I realized it, I walked right into the middle of the annual hemp festival there in Seattle, Washington. And so um, I was like, whoa, okay, here we are. Everybody's smoking Mary Jane. <laughs> we're, at, we're at the hemp festival, and there was street preachers that were there on the corner, and I'm not against street preaching. I think that there's a wrong way to do it and a right way to do it. I don't like to hear preachers yell at people that are not listening to them and people that probably will never listen to them because they don't see a genuine desire to help from that particular preacher. How many of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? Amen. It's so true. But one of the hemp smokers, I don't know what else to call them, but one of the hemp smokers walked up to the street preacher and the street preacher was yelling and the hemp smoker yelled back, Judge not, lest you be judged. And I remember I was sitting off there in the corner and I thought, man, I wish I could calm them, back, calm them down and get them to listen and, and maybe uh, sow a righteous seed. Uh, but I didn't have that opportunity. But... Um, even the hemp guy knew Matthew 7, verse 1. Or Luke six thirty seven. Judge not lest you be judged. Even he knew that. So, um, What does Luke six thirty seven mean? What does it mean? Well, after all, it begins by saying, Do not judge and you will not be judged. I asked myself a long time ago, Does this mean that we're not allowed to make judgments? If I see somebody that's committing a transgression of Yahweh's law... Let's say one of the Ten Commandments. I just preached through the Ten Commandments recently. Let's say I see somebody that's unrepentantly practicing one of those sins. Am I not allowed to think, well, that person needs to repent? Or am I not allowed to go up to them and say, hey, I'd like to share some Scriptures with you and, and I'd like to be there to, to help you and try to guide you back onto the right path? Am I not allowed to do that because the passage says, do not judge? Am I supposed to keep my mouth shut at all times? When I was asked that day at 15 years old about dressing modestly in the Christian bookstore, should I have just said, instead of answering, should I have just said, well, I have my opinion, but I'm not supposed to judge, so I'll just keep my opinion to myself. Is that how I should have went about that? Well, let me begin here by explaining to you what the text does not mean. And I think if we understand what the text does not mean, it'll help us understand what the text does mean. If we have a good grasp on the verse, we will see, and on the Bible in general, that the verse does not mean that we cannot make righteous judgments about what is right and what is wrong, what is light and what is darkness, what is lawful and what is unlawful, who is acting lawful and who is acting unlawful. Now you say, Brother Matthew, how do you know this? Because the verse says, do not judge and you will not be judged. So how do you know that the verse is not teaching us? How do you know that Yeshua did not mean that? And we shouldn't just keep our mouth shut and never say anything. Well, we don't have to go far. We'll stay right here in Luke 6 and we'll read verses 43 through 45. Same Sermon on the Mount, same Lord, out of the next breath, Luke 6, 43 through 45, He says this, a good tree does not produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree does not produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. 
Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. An evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. People say when somebody's in a situation or somebody performs an action, I've heard people say, but Brother Matthew, you don't know their heart. And I'm not sure that that's scriptural. I think scripturally, we can know people's hearts based upon what they do. You know where somebody's heart and their mind is by the fruits that they bear. If they bear forth fruits of wickedness or lawlessness, then you know that their heart, according to Yeshua, is evil. But if they bear forth fruits of righteousness and holiness, their heart must be righteous and holy. So I think you can know where people's hearts are. And Yeshua here uses a metaphor that describes human beings, men and women, as either a good tree or a bad tree. And that is passing a judgment. Right after He said, judge not and you will not be judged, He passes a judgment. And this isn't just Yeshua, the perfect man, making the judgment. He's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He is teaching us, His followers, how to judge righteously. How to know a good tree from a bad tree. So... When you walk up to a thorn bush, my kids have heard this one since they were itty bitty, you make the judgment that it's a thorn bush. You don't stick your hand in there to pick out a fig or an apple because you know that it's a thorn bush by how it looks. Same thing with an apple tree. When you go up to an apple tree, you see it bearing forth apples. You don't reach up there and think that you're going to pick a pear off of an apple tree. It's not a pear tree. It's an apple tree. It's very simple, very profound. Yeshua is saying that in the same way we make judgment about natural things, we can make judgment about spiritual things. We can know a good man from an evil man, a good heart from an evil heart. Now this is in the same sermon that Yeshua says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. So he can't be contradicting himself from verse 37 to verse 45. He's not contradicting himself, so he must mean two different things. Verses 43 through 45 shows that we can make righteous judgments. We can pass a judgment that is right and true by noticing a person's fruit. So what does he mean in verse 37? This lets us know Luke 6.37 is not saying what my co-worker in the Christian bookstore said to me that day. It's not saying what the hemp smoker meant when he told the street preacher not to judge him. And after all, the hemp smoker was judging the street preacher when he said judge not that you be not judged. So it gets a little tricky. It works both ways, right? So we cannot escape making judgments small or big in life. So that's what Luke 6.37 does not mean. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, I want to, want to present the case in this lesson that Yeshua is speaking of a, a judgmental or a critical spirit or attitude. I think that's what He's talking about. Yeshua is condemning people who are always pointing fingers at everyone else in order to make themselves look or feel better. He is speaking of people who rejoice more in judgment than they do in mercy. He is speaking of people who would rather stomp on someone when they are down rather than do whatever they can to pick them up, dust them off, and gently lead them to the proper and the righteous way. A judgmental spirit or person will often highlight particular sins in other people's lives and they'll gossip about them to everyone that they meet when all the while they are guilty of the same or similar sins. 
sometimes even sins of a greater magnitude in their own life. But if you can keep the spotlight off of you and shine it on your neighbor, it makes you feel better, makes you look better. When we're constantly critical of other people, it only shows that we are insecure about our own faults and our own failures and our own sins. Self-righteousness, which is pride, it feeds on criticizing other people. And the best way to kill that monster is to starve it out, to not feed it. If you have a problem in your life, if you have a struggle in your life, the best thing is figure out a way that you can starve that problem. Because the more that you feed it, the more it's going to grow. The less that you feed it, it's going to die out. Uh, John Owen said uh, in the 1600s, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says we are supposed to mortify the deeds of the flesh, put to death the deeds of the flesh in our body. But self-righteousness comes naturally in us because without the activated Spirit of Yahweh in our hearts, we are bent to be prideful about who we are and about what we do. I told somebody one time that a, a self-righteous man is harder on everybody else and easier on himself. But a righteous man is easier on everybody else and harder on himself. So when trials come to a judgmental, critical person, when they go through a trial, they usually think or say, I haven't done anything to deserve this. But when the same trial comes to somebody else that same person automatically judges and has a critical attitude and says, boy, they must have done something really bad to deserve this. You're quick to cut yourself some slack, but you don't want to give other people any slack. A judgmental person, much like a drunkard or a drug addict, always wants to deny that they have a problem. You try to help them and they think, well, I'm okay. I'll be all right. A judgmental person tries to fix everybody else, but they spend no time working out their own salvation with fear and with trembling, as the Scripture says. This was a major problem with many of the Pharisees in Yeshua's day. They were always adding to and subtracting from Yahweh's law. But that wasn't their only problem. Another big problem that they had, which was their leaven that Yeshua told them to beware of, told His disciples to beware of, was that they were pretenders. They were play actors. They were hypocrites. In Matthew 23, verses 2 through 4, Yeshua says that the scribes and the Pharisees, they are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They want to load down everybody else and be easy on their self. Right. You know that passage in Matthew 11 where Yeshua says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened down, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Anybody ever heard that passage in church or from a preacher or a sermon? I've heard it all my life growing up. I never really heard what it meant because if you read it in context, Yeshua is actually talking about coming unto Him and learning from Him. He says, all you that are weary and heavy laden, learn from me and I'll give you rest. In other words, my teaching method is different from what you're used to with the scribes and the Pharisees. They point, they pick, they prod, they load you down. That's not how I teach. I teach gently. 
I teach humbly. Yeshua taught like Prophet Moses said in, in Deuteronomy 32 in the Song of Moses where He said, Let my doctrine fall like the, the gentle dew upon the grass. Sometimes we want to be a big thunderstorm upon somebody's farm. <laughs> but Moses said it's supposed to drop like gentle dew upon the grass. See? So the judgmental person today, like much of the Pharisees of Yeshua's day, they want to put on the front that they're holy and they're righteous. They make drastic attempts to appear holy on the outside. I've been teaching through the book of Galatians for, I don't know, 42, 43 sermons. And one of the biggest things that the Pharisees were all about with the Gentiles was we've we got to get them to do these outward markers or else they're not really saved. You know, And if you don't do the outward markers. But you can do the outward markers and not have the inward reality. But if you have the inward reality, the outward markers will come about in time. They will in time. You don't have to push. Yahweh's Spirit will work on a person. So Pharisees or hypocrites or pretenders, they, they appear holy when they're around others or on the outside, but they don't act the same way when they're at home or when they're around their spouse. They don't act the same way when nobody is watching. How many know even when we're by ourselves, Yahweh is still in the heavens? Proverbs 15 says, His eyes roam to and fro about the earth, and He beholds the evil and the good. So He's always watching. A judgmental person is always judging everybody else, condemning everybody else, looking down their nose at everybody else, talking about this person, that person, look what he said, she said, he did, she did, can you believe they would treat me this way? On and on and on and on. And they never are introspective. That used to be me. (laughs) That that was me at, at, at one time. Um, not that I didn't focus on myself, but I did not spend my main time focusing on Matthew, but I was worried about other people. I read a scripture today in 1 Peter 5, and I posted it on Facebook before service. And 1 Peter 5, Peter exhorts the elders that oversee the flock. Um, he said, don't lord or dominate over the people but be an example to the flock. Uh, Some of the people that I've known in my life that have made the biggest influence upon me were not really big talkers, but they were big walkers. Uh, They practiced the Bible. And I didn't have to say a whole lot because they did a whole lot. Amen? In contrast to people with a judgmental spirit, you have people who only by Yahweh's grace have been endowed with a humble spirit, a humble attitude. And this is what Yeshua is talking about after He says, do not judge. Let's read that again. Luke 6, 37-38. Do not judge, and you won't be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I know you've probably been taught that when Yeshua says give, it's about paying your tithes and your offerings. Now, there's scriptures about tithes and offerings in the Bible. This is not one of them. And so, I don't believe in using scriptures wrongly. There's nothing in the context here about giving monetarily. The context is about giving out mercy and love and forgiveness. And grace. And when you give that out, it will be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will people give back? And will Yahweh give back to you? 
A humble spirit is always accompanied by an acknowledgement of one's own sins. A humble man or woman has read and understood the Scriptures. They know Psalm 130 verse 3 that if Yahweh were to keep track of iniquities, who could stand in His presence? They know Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 that there is certainly no righteous man upon the earth that always does good and never sins. A humble spirit accepts that they have problems. And every day they wake and they think about Lamentations 3, 22-23, which says this, It is because of Yahweh's faithful love that we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Scripture says that we don't remain faithful, but He does. I've told people before that I wished I could say that I've kept all my promises that I've made to Yahweh, but I can't. What I can say is, He has kept all of His promises that He's made to Matthew. And I'm thankful for that. A humble person, a humble spirit, seeks to help others and strengthen others who have been overtaken by temptation and sin. When a a humble, righteous person counsels others that are struggling, they will bring up their own struggles and their own sins and how they made it through those struggles and sins. The humble person seeks for restoration, not condemnation. In Matthew 18, the three steps to an unrepentant person is all about restoration, not damnation. We don't want to damn a person to the lake of fire like that. We want to restore a person that has fallen away from the faith, if at all possible. Sometimes it's not, but if at all possible, we don't want to get to step three where we treat them as a tax collector or a prostitute and we we put them out. We don't want to get to that step. Sometimes it happens that way and you feel for people and your heart is burdened with them. And you hand such a one over to Satan that maybe their spirit will be saved in the day of visitation. But we want to restore somebody. Amen. This is the key. When we see a lost sheep, when we see somebody that is unrepentant and we make a proper moral judgment that they are a bad tree producing bad fruit, and it's okay to make that judgment, is our goal their repentance? Or their destruction? Do we want to see the lost stay lost so it makes us feel better about ourselves? Or do we want to see them saved? Do we rejoice when our enemy falls? Or do we obey the Scriptures and rejoice not when our enemy falls? When we have a biblical and a controlled discussion with a lost person, are we seeking to win the person to Christ? Or are we just trying to show off how much knowledge we have? Anybody ever done that? I have. Apostle Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's okay to have knowledge and it's okay to share, but temper that knowledge with love so that your neighbor is edified and you're not puffed up. Our spiritual gifts are not given to us to edify ourselves. Our spiritual gifts are given to us to edify or to build up our neighbor. What good is it to puff up our chest and think, well, I sure showed them. When all the while the lost sheep is more lost after you talk with them than when you started because of your rotten, critical attitude. Brothers and sisters, we all need to be reminded of Yeshua's words here against judging and condemning. He is not saying we cannot pass or make moral judgments, but He is condemning a judgmental, critical, self-righteous, and hypocritical attitude. All of us every day need to be reminded of this. Brother Matthew needs Yahweh's forgiveness just like anybody else. I need it every day. I pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me of my debts. Amen. 
and help me to forgive my debtors. Therefore, I do not want to be the judgmental, critical person because I don't want that judgmentalism and critical spirit to be measured back to me. Yeshua said, with what measure you put it out, it will be given back to you. You give out a lot of mercy, a lot of mercy will be given back to you. You go through a trial. You see somebody else go through a trial that you've never been through and you're, you're more critical. But then when you have to go through that trial yourself, your heart, hopefully, usually, is opened up to the realization, man, now I realize what they went through. Now I realize what they were battling. Now I realize why they maybe fell off of the straight and narrow way for a while because it was tough. Or not that they lost faith, but that it just weakened a little bit. Now I understand because I've had to go through it. Be careful. Be careful how you speak about people. Be careful the judgments that you pass about other people. You do not know what the other person is going through. You, You do not know what their life, what life has handed to them. You do not know. You don't know what maybe their spouse said, did, or did not do to them. Or what problems they're having with their children. Or if they've lost somebody that they loved. Or if they're sick and they don't want anybody to know about it. You don't know what people are going through. Be kind, be kind all the time. Like Brother Ron's song says. Help me to be kind. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against joy. No law against love. No law against gentleness and kindness. Those are works of the Spirit, not works of the flesh. When somebody has those fruits active in their life, you know the Spirit indwells that person because it's called not the fruit of Matthew or the fruit of Jerry or Ron, but the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is working on the inside and coming out. For with the measure that you use, Yeshua says, it will be measured back to you. I need forgiveness and mercy measured back to me. So how do we put this into practice? Let's get practical here for a second. It is very easy to get caught up in a conversation where we find ourselves tearing people down when we ought to be witnessing to the lost or bringing restoration to a struggling brother or a struggling sister. When we converse with lost sheep in the world, let's talk to them with the goal of their salvation in mind. With the goal of them coming to the faith in mind. Do your best to refrain from unneeded words. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs says, even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. I think that's maybe the New Living, maybe the Message Bible, I don't know. (laughs) But it's good. A fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. I am not saying do not speak the truth. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying do not use the law. Lost people need to know the law. Remember that the first use of the law is to show people their sin. Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. That's the first use of the law. People need to know that they are sinners, else the gospel will not be sweet to them. It will be meaningless to them. And believe it or not, multitudes of people in the world think that they really don't do anything bad. I've witnessed to a lot of unbelievers and they've said, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really do anything bad. And I'm thinking, let's go down the list of the Ten Commandments. Let's start there. 
Because they don't realize that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. I just heard a guy the other day that said all people are really good. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. But when we talk to these people, use the first use of the law. And you can do it with the hopes that they will understand and they will be forgiven. Isn't that what we want? They'll be forgiven. I'm afraid far too often we've done it with the mindset that we don't really care. We just want to spout out knowledge. Like I said, knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. Another thing is this. Let's be patient with our brothers and sisters in our church or other churches who are not at the same level of understanding. Has Yahweh been patient with you? He's been patient with me. He's whooped me upside the head a few times over, the, over my life. And I'm sure I'm due for some more discipline as I continue to grow. But He's long-suffering, slow to anger, rich in love. He's patient with Matthew. He's patient with Ron. Patient with Frankie. Patient with Rocket. He's been patient with all of you. Why will we not dole out that same patience that Yahweh has given us to other people? We want an immediate response. We want an immediate change. You're not supposed to look for immediate change. That's the seed that falls on the rocky soil. It sprouts up quick, but it has no root. True growth will be slow but steady. You'll see people grow over time, not immediate. Most of the time I've seen when it's, it's immediate, it usually has no root and it withers away after a little while. So be patient with people. Be patient with those who have yet to see the importance of certain commandments. And you think, I don't understand why they can't see this. Maybe it's not their time. The Apostle Paul was a murderer of the believers prior to getting knocked down and shown the way of righteousness. Wasn't his time until it was his time. <laughs> We're not all the same age spiritually. You know that, right? We're not all the same age spiritually. You could have a you could have a forty year old person who's been reared in the faith. They've they've grown up in the Torah since they were a suckling. And you could have an eighty year old person who's just fresh and they're just now learning the commandments. And even though it's eighty and forty, the eighty year old is not at the same age spiritually as the forty year old. So we have to remember that. Let's be merciful and forgiving and giving and caring to our brothers and sisters who are in the same school but not necessarily the same grade. And if we are not, if we are not like this, we will receive back the same amount of judgmentalism and criticism and browbeating from other people. And in the end, we might just receive it from the Almighty. We don't want that. But if we seek to live our lives pleasing to the Father, making righteous judgments, but giving out mercy, forgiveness, grace, kindness, love, and gentleness, we will receive mercy and the gift of forgiveness from other people. And most importantly, when that great day comes, we will we'll receive it from Almighty Yahweh. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, you need Yahweh's mercy. Yes. You need it. Yes. None of us are Yeshua. None of us are the Messiah. You need the mercy of Yahweh. I pray that this lesson has been a blessing to you, and I pray that it will... It will grow into a, a fruitful plant in each of, of your lives. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. Until next time.